So what is the identity of a believer? It is Jesus. It's not things that Christians do. That's those those may be good things, but our source is Christ. And to remember that the things that we do, the the byproducts, if we if we pursue things that are the result of his indwelling life instead of pursuing him. We are pursuing the side effects, incredible blessings. But if we are pursuing the side effects instead of the source, we are missing what it is that he has. Because usually we will be trying to copy and counterfeit instead of receiving. Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Doherty and I'm your host. Today, we will hear from Lugi Regeer, whom you've already been introduced to in episodes 34 and 35. If you haven't listened to those episodes yet, I encourage you to do so. Today, we want to ask the question, just how should the believer face life? Because how the believer faces life is to be completely different than how the rest of the world does. This is only possible because of what Christ has already accomplished in his death burial, and resurrection. This being a fact, the believer is to be, by faith, learning to identify and live according to who he is in Christ if we are going to face life differently than the unbeliever. So let's join Lugi as he addresses this topic in today's episode. Hello, you are listening to the The His Hill podcast. My name is Lugi Regeer, and I have the opportunity to share a devotion that Kelly asked if I would be interested in doing. So um, this is that. Uh, during the first interview, Kelly and I spoke about a lot of things, and I wanted to briefly summarize um, some of those before going on to talk about the reality of who a Christian is in light of who Jesus is. So we talked about God's faithfulness in continuing to work in our lives. And that's where I read from Galatians 3. Uh, this is from verses 1 to 5, just to, to recap. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the flesh or by hearing with faith? And the point here is that if we're experiencing any spiritual growth, then we cannot credit ourselves with that. We, we are not the cause but rather faithful is he that called us, and he also shall bring it to pass. From 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24. Where this is particularly important is that because he is always faithful, therefore we can trust him. And because we can trust him, therefore we can rest. That even means resting while we have problems. The world insists that we can rest after problems have ended. But God asks us to rest because he's got it. He asks us to rest during instead of waiting for afterwards until waiting for later on. But it is now. It is now the faith that he asks us to have. If I am looking to Jesus as my source, then I have reason to hope and to say thank you for tomorrow, not because I know it will happen and I derive my security from that knowledge, 
but because I know the heart of my God towards me, that he has said he is faithful to save me. And on that note, we talked about how problems and trials that we face, they can be real or they can be perceived that we we think there's a problem, there really isn't, or they can be contrived where we're actually just inventing things. But no matter what it is that we face, God is bigger and has promised to be our sufficiency and supply. To, to be clear, the problems and the trials, they are really there, and so is he. It is, it is not a matter of the, it is, this is not a call to the power of positive thinking and, and convincing yourself that the issues aren't really there. They really are there, but we have a, a living and active God who is with us from um, reading from Colossians chapter two, verses eight to 10, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ, for in him is all the fullness of deity. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. So from this verse, it says to be taken captive, not by all these other things, but to be taken captive by Christ. And that last section of Colossians 2 that I read, verse 10, it states the identity of the believer as God sees us today. In him, in Jesus, you, the Christian, have been made perfect and complete. The Bible says that today, because of Jesus, I am perfect and complete. Not someday after I die and go to heaven, but right now. Because, past tense, you have been made perfect and complete. But that perfection and completeness is in Christ. The reality of you is that everything true of God the Father is entirely in Jesus, and all, all of Jesus is in you. What a blessing. That is an incredible blessing because it means that if, as you're listening to this, if you have Jesus, then I don't have anything to give you. I cannot add to you. I cannot improve you. There is nothing that I have that you need. And in that case, you don't need to grow to become someone else. Jesus has accomplished that. This is the the importance of when Scripture talks about things in the past tense. It's because of there's an emphasis there, the past tense of the completed work of Jesus, that many things that we look forward to, they are already reality. They have been completed. And instead, the need that we have is a revelation of who he has made us to be. The, the need that you have is a revelation of who you have become in Jesus. And I, I cannot give that. Only God can. Because while I might try and, and I might use nice words, those words, apart from the Spirit of God taking them and dropping them into your heart, those words will be powerless. And that is, that is not something that we need. We need the reality of the God that we have. From 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 10, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me, And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. 
Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So the Apostle Paul had received the revelation, but here says that because of who he knew Jesus to be, God gave him whatever this thorn in the flesh was so that Paul wouldn't tell people about how cool Paul was. Paul did not receive Jesus, and then all problems stopped. It, very much the opposite if you read through um, the letters that he wrote. I spend a lot of time worrying about how to avoid problems. Some of that is responsible stewardship. I, I have a family, I have kids, I've got livestock and, and property, and I have an obligation as the Lord has entrusted me with these things to care for them. But sometimes when I'm worrying about how to avoid problems, it's really just me being self-absorbed with convenience and trying to steer around or away from being uncomfortable. God took Paul into and through problems, and what should have overcome Paul instead revealed the sufficiency, the faithfulness, and the power of Jesus more and more. My true identity is that I have been made perfect and complete in Jesus, but the temptation I face is to keep living from my own wisdom instead of trusting his, to use my own strength instead of trusting his. There's a, there's a great quote from the book, Problems, God's Presence, and Prayer, and after talking about coping mechanisms that believers will resort to instead of going to God, it says, the self-reliant believer is in a terrible place because they cannot allow God to be their provision. And it goes on from there. I'm paraphrasing this section, but the gist is that while we attempt to use our human strength and our own human wisdom to overcome problems, Jesus will sustain us, but he will not remove the problem because if he did, we would be tempted to say that the problem was overcome by our efforts. And instead, we need to know that it was him. This is something that I face a lot just with the responsibilities that I have and long days of, of working and just feeling physically tired and, and then being immature at times and just not wanting to do more, but seeing that like this, there are, there are more things that I have to do before I can sit down. That is valuable because it grows me in an awareness of the need that I have for God and for, for any believer and something you can see throughout scripture. There is a cycle of, of promise reversal and reality that we go through First, we hear the promises of God. God told the Hebrews that he would bring them out of Egypt in order to bring them into Canaan. That's the promise. And then we experience a reversal where the promise is stopped. The promise doesn't seem to be difficult. The promise is made impossible in the most literal way. The Hebrews cannot leave Egypt. It is impossible because they can't free themselves and they cannot outrun the Egyptian army and they cannot swim across the Red Sea and they cannot feed themselves in the wilderness and they cannot heal themselves from the snake bites and they are not strong enough to fight against the people in the land. And then after these reversals, it turned out that all that God had promised came to pass and Israel could not take credit for what God did. So the promise came true, and the reversals 
were valuable because it, it explained and it broadened their understanding of how big God is. But they missed many opportunities to trust and to see their trust rewarded. Going back over to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Earlier, I read from Galatians 3, and this section now, these are the verses that come immediately before Galatians 3. Paul's point here is that Jesus the Messiah lives in me to keep all that he has promised. All that he has promised to be, he resides in me in order to guarantee that. Therefore, what will keeping the Old Testament law accomplish? Nothing. The law was given so that mankind would be able to prove to themselves that we are insufficient. And the goal of proving that to ourselves is so that we might receive, that we might receive all that he is. And here's the part where the enemy wants us to not move, move on from. Me learning that I can't do it isn't the end of the story, but that is the presentation, that if I can't do it, all will fail. And instead, the goal that the Lord has in our life is that I would learn that I can't do it, and then why did it happen anyway? I am to learn I can't in order to receive that he can. But while I am self-confident and while I'm proud, the work of Jesus in my life is something that I will see and I'll claim as coming from me and not God. And when I read these verses from Galatians 2.20, part of why they're, they're so special to me, I have been crucified with Christ, is I'm reminded of when I heard Major Ian Thomas share his testimony Major Thomas, for those not familiar, was the founder of Torch, the Torchbearers of the Cape and Ray Missionary Fellowship, which is the international Christian missionary organization that His Hill Bible School and Summer Camp is part of. Major Thomas shared about how as a young man, he received Jesus, and then he dedicated his life in thankfulness to sharing the good news of Jesus. But soon he was exhausted and he felt defeated, and the way he put it, he was fit to quit. And he told the Lord, I can't do this. And then the verses were brought to his mind. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live. It is not I. I don't live anymore, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The way the major worded it was, Lord Jesus, I can't, but then you never promised that I could. You only promised that you would. Paul repeats the sentiment of Galatians 2.20 in Philippians 1, verses 21, when he writes, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It is faith not in myself, but in a living Jesus. It is a moving forward in the responsibilities I have, believing that as I am obedient to him, he is faithful to take care of the consequences of that obedience. And this... This is the true, what would Jesus do? Or more accurately, it is, what did Jesus do? Jesus himself says in John chapter 5, verses 19 and verses 30, 
the son, he's referring to himself, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees his father doing. And then in John 5, verses 30, I can do nothing on my own initiative as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will but the will of him who sent me. Then Jesus' life on earth was to be a perfect sacrifice on my behalf in order to redeem me and also to be a perfect example of humanity as we were meant to live in dependence on God the Father, dependent and trusting. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, meaning slave, being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus, who was present and part of creating the world, chose to become a man and set aside independence and be subject to his Father. Jesus could have wielded his own divine power, but he would have been unacceptable to the Father as a sacrifice on our behalf. And when we attempt to wield that power of control, that too is a life which is unacceptable to the Father. Why? Why is it unacceptable? Because he has given us something greater. He has already given us his son in whom he is well pleased. There are things in my life which are true, but greater than these things is Jesus. And when we see things that are bigger than us, we need to take that before the Lord and declare his sovereignty over it. Lord, it is true. I do not know how to make sure my family is always provided for. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Is that always going to take the shape that I'm projecting? Is it always going to be financial stability? No, that is not what he says. He says he does know the plans he has for me. And those plans are for welfare and not for calamity and to give me a future and a hope. And that is in the form of himself. Another issue or concern that I have Lord, it's true that I feel really inadequate to record something for this podcast. The more I think about and stare at the words, the more I feel stupid and weak, and I don't know if it will come across the way that I mean. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Well, that's right, Lord. I'm going to go forward and I'm going to record this because your grace is sufficient for me. As we own the things we are not, our hearts open to receive why all that doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter what you aren't. You have a God. That is the reality that we face every day. And we can choose to own that and to receive that, or we can pretend as if it is not true. But the blessing is in receiving the truths that he has declared. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who are these witnesses that surrounding us? It is believers witnessing to Jesus' faithfulness, both us today and from previous generations. 
So what? So what about these witnesses? Well, having seen and having had Jesus' faithfulness declared so many times, so let us put down anything that weighs us down, the things that worry you, lay them aside, trusting in his grace. And some of those things will likely be things that it even requires the Lord Jesus to actually lay them down, that not even laying them down is something we can accomplish. We have a provision for that. Why? Why do we lay these things down? And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, doing the best that I can. No, no, not the best that I can, because that's fixing my eyes on me. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Again, here, we have been made perfect and complete in Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Well, what is that? What is the joy that is set before Jesus? I am. I am the joy that is set before him. His death and resurrection were in order to supply mercy. And that mercy is so that he might live in us. So what is the identity of a believer? It is Jesus. It's not things that Christians do. That's those those may be good things, but our source is Christ. And to remember that the things that we do, the the byproducts, if we if we pursue things that are the result of his indwelling life instead of pursuing him. We are pursuing the side effects, incredible blessings. But if we are pursuing the side effects instead of the source, we are missing what it is that he has. Because usually we will be trying to copy and counterfeit instead of receiving. The blessing, the reality of who a Christian is, is Christ. Not Christ someday, but Christ today. You've been listening to the His Hill Podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty and Lugie Regeer and his devotional on learning to live according to who we are in Christ. Be sure to follow the His Hill Podcast on Instagram and Spotify or wherever you're listening from and rate us. The higher you rate us, the easier we are for others to find so they can listen too. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. Thank y'all so much for tuning in with us this week to another episode of the His Hill Podcast. I'm Lizzie. See you next week.